Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. If you have your Bibles, please open them up to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to continue in the study of God's Word as we work our way through this great epistle of John. You do know what an epistle is, right? You should know this joke by now. It's the wife of an apostle, right? No, I'm just kidding. It's a letter from John. I want you to smile a little bit. It's okay. We're in church. That's all right. So, um, matter of fact, poke your neighbor on the shoulder and tell him or her to smile right now. Will you do that? All right. That's good. That's, that's better. There she comes. Tell her. <laughs> All right. First John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 2. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 2 and verse number 3 through verse 6. That's the only part of this text that I'm going to handle today. I appreciate Pastor Paul filling in for me last week and handling the latter part of 1 John chapter 1, and the first two verses of chapter 2. That kind of goes with that previous text. Uh, Today I want to talk to you a little bit about the test of assurance, and uh, we're going to look at these verses and try to expound on them briefly this morning. And I hope and pray it's beneficial to you. I hope you pull some, I call them golden nuggets out of this. You can stick in your pocket. That'll help you through the week uh, as you live your Christian walk or faith with the Lord. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 3. The scripture says, this is how we are sure that we have come to know him. Everybody say, know him. him. Now I want you to say, sure. Sure. Listen to what it does not say. It does not say, this is how we think we have come to know about him. It doesn't say that. It says, in verse 3, this is how we are sure that we have come to know him. Him. Man, I love that. And what's the test? By keeping His commands. So the test, if we are sure that we have come to know Him, is to look at my life and ask myself, am I keeping His commands? And he says a little bit further in this passage that His commands are His Word. So am I keeping His Word? I don't ever want you to leave here thinking you got to do what Pastor John says to do. Because, listen, guys, it is not about me, right? I'm the least among anybody here. It's not about me. I don't ever want you to leave here and say, Victory Church says we need to do this. No, 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 no. It's not about being religious, right? There's a lot of organizations and churches out there and denominations, if you will, that put religious mandates on. It's not about that. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ coming to know Him. And the proof of the text is, if I am sure that I know Him, it's going to be evident by the life that I live in keeping His commands. That was a weak amen, but thank you, Sister Jim. Right? Come on, guys. Are you with me? So we need to ask ourselves the question, is my life in 
accord in alliance on the path of keeping God's Word. And if I'm not, then there's evidence that maybe I don't know Him like I should know Him. Okay? That's really my whole sermon. We could probably leave right now and go home. But I feel like I need to expound a little bit more on that. But that's the premise of it. Okay? Somebody says, quit now, preacher. And we'll be, no, 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 no. I'm not going to listen to that voice. Look at verse 4. The one who says, get this now. The one who says that I have come to know him, yet does not or doesn't keep his commands, is a, you t- read the next word, liar. Now, I got in trouble growing up if I ever, my mom would not let me call her or anybody else a liar. That was just an ugly word. That she, we, I just wasn't allowed to use that word growing up. You're a liar. Oh, I'd be in trouble if I said that. But you know what? God says that if you claim to know Christ and you're not keeping his commands, he calls you and me, if I'm doing that, a what? A liar. Right? That's a strong word. And the truth is not in him. By the way, what is the truth? You remember John 14, 6? Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's saying that I'm not even in you. The truth is Jesus. And Jesus is saying if you profess to know me and you're not living out the commands in your life, that you're a liar and I'm not even in you. Wow, that's some strong words, isn't it? Right? I haven't even expounded on it yet. I'm just reading what the Bible says. Are you, some of you are looking at me like a bullfrog in a hellstorm. But hang in there. We're, we're going to be okay. All right? And the truth is not in. Verse number 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is perfected. And that word perfected means to become mature. So you're maturing in your faith. You're, you're becoming mature in your love. And by the way, you remember what Jesus said is the greatest two commandments in all the Word of God? Remember the guy came to Jesus one day and said, Master, Lord, great teacher, good teacher, what's the, what's the greatest command? The Lord said what? The Shema, he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6. He said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy, thy soul, and thy strength. And the second is likened to the first, which is what? Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. So what Jesus, or what the Word is saying here in verse number 5, but whoever keeps His Word, truly in Him the love of God is perfected or matured. So as I am obeying the Word of God and living out the lifestyle of living a life that is being in obedience to the command of the Word of God, that my love for God is going to be more mature than it was the first day I started following Him, and my love for one another, for other people, is going to be far more mature than it was the day I started on this journey and this walk with the Lord. Are you tracking with me today? Man, this is good stuff. You see why I'm only going to deal with about three or four verses here. It is loaded. Okay? Let's go on to the next verse. Or the latter part of that verse. This is how we know we are in Him. Verse number 6. The one who says he remains in Him should walk just as he walked. And that word walked implies your lifestyle. Your lifestyle should be that of Christ. Right? Your lifestyle, the way you act, the way you react, the things you do, the things you're involved in, how you, how you live your life, all of that lifestyle, the manner of your lifestyle should be likened unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that was a pretty good sermon, but I feel like I need to expound on it a little bit more. So let's pray, and you pray. The Lord keeps me short right here, and we'll get out of here, but that's some good stuff that we're fixing to dive into here in this passage of Scripture. So let's pray together. Father, we do love you, and we're so thankful for your word. The Word of God, how wonderful, how 
how beautiful it is and how alive it becomes as we study it and read it. We thank you that the author of the word lives within us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit leading these men to pen these words that have lasted all through time and will last all through eternity. Help us, God, to submit to the authority of your word today, not to the authority of John Cannon. It means nothing if anyone here submits to my authority as a person or a man. It means absolutely nothing. But it means everything when we submit to the authority of your word and your commands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, back into the word of God, okay? Here we are, First John. The title of this message is The Test of Assurance. Matter of fact, we do know that John wrote the epistle of John, right? We know that he also wrote some other books. We know he wrote the gospel of John. We know he wrote the epistles of John. And we know he wrote the revelation of John. And here's something I want you to see, and I think I have a slide for this. I want you to see that the gospel of John was written for a purpose. The gospel of John was written that men may be converted. Okay? The gospel of John was written for our salvation, that we may come to know Christ, right? So the gospel of John was written that men may be converted. The epistles of John were written that men may be confirmed. In other words, that we would know. Matter of fact, the key text, and I'm going to get to it in just a moment. I'll save that for just a moment. But the epistles of John were written that men might be confirmed, that they would know that they have trusted Christ as their Savior. And I just shared that with you in this passage we've read, but it's in many other passages of Scripture in First and Second John. But then the revelation of John was written that men may be comforted. There's a tremendous amount of comfort that comes when you read the revelation of John. And there's a lot of things that are maybe uncertain for a lot of folks, and as you read it, it may be a little bit scary, but here's how the end ends. The last of it ends that we win. Okay, so here's all I want to tell you about your eschatology. And there's a lot of differing views on eschatology, which is the doctrine of last things. Here's all you really need to know. You need to have panology theory. Well, what is panology? Well, panology is just simply this. Trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and everything else will pan out in the end. Right? So you don't get lost in all the details if that kind of disturbs you and maybe you worry about that some. It's written that we can be comforted, that we know in the end, whenever we look at what's going on in our world today, especially right now, the unrest that's over in the Middle East, it can cause us to have a tremendous amount of anxiety and worry and concern. But the revelation of John was written so that you wouldn't worry about about all of that. It was written so that you can be comforted. Right? And knowing that, hey, Jesus is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Right? He's still on the throne. He's still in control. And one day he's going to come back and let everybody know that he's the man. Right? Right? So it's written that we can be comforted. We're in the epistle because we want to see how we are confirmed in our faith. Now, I want you to look at this text. Matter of fact, the entire text of 1 John was written to believers. It was written to believers, and I've heard people take 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, that He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I've, I've seen people take that passage of Scripture and use it to lead people, an unbeliever, to Christ. And that's okay if you want to use it that way. I mean, it certainly applies that way, but it's really intended for the believer. 
Right? It's really intended for those individuals that have trusted Christ as their Savior already. And then if they sin along the way, that we have a forgiving God that's able to forgive us and cleanse us and wash us and, and renew us and strengthen us. And that's called grace. And we ought to say thank the Lord for that. Right? So here we see in this text that it's written to believers. The key verse, 1 John five thirteen. John said this. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So who's he writing to? Believers, right? I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. You see, guys, we don't have to question whether we have eternal life or not. We don't have to worry about if we die in our sleep, will we spend eternity with God or not. We can know. And by the way, you can know before you leave this service today whether you are a child of God or not, whether you have eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ or not. You don't have to leave here with, filled with anxiety and worry about whether all of that's taken care of. John said, I've written this so that you would be confirmed, so that you would have the assurance of your salvation that you know without a shadow of a doubt that it is well with my soul. Amen. I love that old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And I tell you what, if you don't have the assurance, there's no way you can sing that song in victory. Right? If you don't have the assurance of your salvation, there's no way you can stand and lift your voices and sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul. But I want you to know you can. And before you leave here today, I hope and pray that you do know that you can have the assurance of your salvation. Well, let's look at a few things here. I want you to look at three things. We're going to look at this test of assurance, and I'm going to try to be done in about 12 minutes. So here, here's what I hope and pray. If I talk real fast, I need you to listen real fast, okay? Now, I hope as I talk that you're listening, and I hope I, when I finish talking, you have finished listening at about the same time. Okay? That's the goal. That's what we're trying to do here today, okay? So if you'll give me about 12, can I stretch it, 13 minutes? <laughs> of your time, if you listen, I want to try to speak real fast. I want to try to share with you some things. Three things I want to uncover, and then I want to wrap it up with three quick little things uh, that will just bring it all together. So first of all, I want you to look at the test stated. Okay? There is a test for the assurance of our salvation. Well, what is that test? Well, it's stated, if you will, in verse number 3. He said, this is how we are sure that we have come to know Him by keeping His commands. Notice he says sure, and I've already talked about that. He says we're sure that we know Christ, not just know about Him, but we know Him. Here's the test. By keeping His commands. Okay? By keeping His commands. Now here's what I want you to get. Here's what I want you to know, and here's what I want you to understand. How joyfully, everybody say joyfully. joyfully. How joyfully we keep Christ's commands is a reflection of, of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we're a disgruntled believer and we're always murmuring and complaining about the Word of God and the commands of God and we're giving of our tithe reluctantly or we're obeying God reluctantly, then I'll tell you what, I don't know. I, I just almost question a little bit the assurance of your salvation. Right? Because the test is that we obey His commands. If you love me, obey my commands. Right? And we see in the text here, this is how. Notice, he says, this is how we are sure that we've come to know Him. By keeping His commands. 
And by the way, guys, the only way that any of us can keep His commands is to be indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. We cannot do this without God's help. Right? We cannot live, his, live out His commands or live out the authority or submit to the authority of God's Word without the indwelling of the person of the Holy Spirit that, that, is, our, that is our dumas, that is our power, that is our strength. It's the same Greek word that we get the American word or English word dynamite from. It's power indwelt in us. It's through the person of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Right? It's not us living this out ourselves. Romans 8 and 10, the, the writer Paul says this. He says, now if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. Because of righteousness. And then in Galatians 2 and 20, Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So the point I want you to get on this test, there's no way you can do this without Him. Right? There's no way you can live the Christian life without Him. There's no way you can obey His Word without Him. We need to live our lives in total dependence upon the Holy Spirit of God that says the moment that you trust Christ as your Savior, God's Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart, and that's where we draw our strength from. That's where we draw our wisdom from. That's where we get our direction from. That's where we get our conviction from. That's our paraclete. It's the one that comes alongside of us and comforts us. Guys, we can't do this by ourselves. We need Him. Amen? So the test is stated in verse number 3, and the statement is simply that we obey His command. So the question, are we obeying? Are we living a life in submission to the authority of God's Word? Guys, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what your mama says, what your grandma said. It just doesn't matter. All that matters is what God's Word says. At the end of the day, this is the final authority in our life. And we need to live a life in submission to His Word. Now somebody's going to say, well, what are some of the commands? I don't even want to start listing them. There are far too many for me to even list. And if I were to list some, I may leave some out. The commands are the convictions of the Word of God. Whenever God says something in His Word, we're to be living that out. Okay? I want you to know, take note of this. The Word commands... Or the word commandments, depending on the translation that you have. I want you to know it's mentioned more in the epistle of 1 John than any other New Testament book in the Bible. It's mentioned 14 times in 1 John. It's mentioned four more times in 2 John. It's mentioned 10 times in the Gospel of John. The point I'm making with all of that is that God says these are commands. They are not suggestions. Right? I've heard people explain God's commands away till I just get sick of it. I'm like, do, do what you want to do. Face the consequences of it. And by the way, you're, you're free to make any choice you want to make. You're free to choose whether you want to obey His commands or not. But you, listen, honey, you are not free to choose the consequences. The consequences are going to come as a direct result of the choice that you've made. Right? You want to live in John 10.10? Where Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. You want to have the abundant life? I promise you, you're not going to get the abundant life until you're living out the commands of God's Word and you're living in submission to the authority of the Word of God. And Jesus is not only your Savior, He is your Lord. Are you with me, church? I can say more. i got to go. That's the test stated. Secondly, I want you to look at this. 
The second thing I want you to see in verses 4 and 5 is the test applied. The test is stated. What's the test? Keep his commands. Keep his word. Say it together. Keep his commands. Keep his word. Say it together. Keep his commands. Keep his word. That's the test stated. Now, the test is applied in verses 4 through 5. Look what he says. The one who says, I have come to know him, yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is perfected, and this is how that we know that we are in him. Here's what I want you to see. What I want you to see is this. Professing Christ is a delusion if we do not practice Christ. You need to get a hold of that. Professing Christ is just a delusion. I mean, you, you're just living some type of little fairy tale that you've made up in your life. But let me tell you, it is, it is not true at all unless you're practicing Christ. Right? I mean, we can say all we want to. Oh, I, yeah, I've trusted Christ. I profess Christ as my Savior. But your lifestyle is completely something contrary to the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, God says, the Holy Spirit says, through the pen of the Apostle John, don't get mad at me right here, but he calls you a liar. People get mad at me whenever I say this. I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. Okay? Please, don't get mad at me about this. Right? So how we live our life is very important. How we practice our life is very important. You see, unbelievers do not keep the commands of Christ. Why? Because they do not know Him. Now, there are some of the commands of Christ that they keep simply because they are built into the fiber of His creation. But all of the commands of God, the unbeliever is not going to keep simply because they don't know Him. But whenever we profess to know Him, it changes our lifestyle. Right? It changes who we used to be. The old man is dead. And we ought to say praise the Lord for that. And the new man is now living and walking in the newness of Christ. There's a difference. You know, I, I don't know. I struggle with this bubblegum theology. And what I mean by that is people just walk into church, they chew their bubblegum, they do their thing, they clap their hands, they say a little prayer, and they blow bubbles going back out the door. And it does not change their life whatsoever. I struggle with that. Right? I don't know about you, but whenever I met Jesus, and whenever I surrendered my life to Him, something changed. And what changed, somebody said, well, I, I don't know, what changes, I, I quit drinking, I quit cursing, I quit smoking, I quit running away, which, by the way, baby, I never did that. Okay? And somebody says, oh, you, you mean you got to quit all that stuff? No, you don't have to quit all that stuff. But here's what I am saying. Hold on with me, I'm coming back to that. Here's what I am saying, that when you trust Christ as your Savior, you'll not want to do any of that stuff. You see, I didn't quit doing that stuff so that I could trust Christ as my Savior. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I didn't want to do any more of that stuff. Right? So it's not about a list of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you come to know Him, there's something in you that wants to live for Him. If you've truly come to know Him. Amen? So the test is applied. Now, I'm not going to dig too deep here, but the verb tenses here with doesn't keep and keeping, I want you to understand that is a continual sense. It's in the continuum. In other words, it's not something I do one time. It's something I continue to do. 
It's the continual sense of keeping and keeping on keeping. It's not something I do one time. It's not something I do for one season of my life. It's not something I do for a few months until everything gets straightened out and then I put God and everything else in the trunk and carry them around like a spare tire. There's a lot of people that do that. Say amen or old me. Stay with me here, okay? It's living this life of for Christ because of what He has done for me. So to profess Christ and not possess Him makes you and me a counterfeit. So the test is applied. Let me give you the third thing here. The test is exemplified. And I've got a few minutes. The test is exemplified in verse number 6. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Now, if you write in your Bible or you take notes or something, I want you to write down lifestyle, the word lifestyle. That walking as Jesus walked is implying your lifestyle. Obviously, we can't go back and walk in his shoes. Obviously, we're not going to go back and we're not going to go pick 12 disciples and we're not going to go teach on the uh, Judean hillside and we're not going to get in the boat on the Sea of Galilee and fall asleep and stand up and say, peace, be still, and calm the storms. That's not what we're talking about when we say walk as Jesus walked. Right? We're not saying you become little gods. We're not saying you can run around and walk miracles. And I don't know about you if you've seen the crazy guy, and I call him a crazy guy on the Internet that claims he's Jesus and he's coming back. I'm like, what, what, a, what a nut job. Right? It's not, it's not this walking, you going and, and imitating the life of Jesus. What this means is your lifestyle, okay? The life that you're living, your lifestyle. Matter of fact, we, we were called Christians as, 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 as the Jews were making fun of those people that were walking around being Christ-like in the first century. That's when they became, or became known as Christians. So let me ask you, would your family... Husbands, dads, will your wife and your children say that you're Christ-like? Wife, will your husband and children say that you're Christ-like? What about on the job? Are you Christ-like? What about in the community? Are you Christ-like? Now listen, guys, I realize it's easy to get in the flesh. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I crucify the flesh daily. You've got to nail the flesh to the wall every single day because it wants to rise up, right? But we need to be walking in the newness of of Christ. So this test needs to be exemplified. Guys, you realize that obedience to God's word results in a rich and full experience of God's love. And that's what he's saying there in, in this passage of scripture. First John four sixteen says, And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. I love what Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Guys, if we're going to be able to keep the word of God as a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, we've got to be in God's word every single day. And we've got to learn to submit to it. So let me wrap it up with three things here. Do you know what the three, if you will, motives for obedience are? There are three reasons that you'll submit to the authority of mom and dad, or to the authority of the Scripture, there's really only three reasons. I want you to see these real quickly. There's three different reasons. One is I have to, one is I need to, and one is I want to. Okay? Three motives for obedience. Either I have to, or I need to, or I want to. Now here's what I want you to see with this. 
We can obey because we have to. That's what a slave does. A slave obeys because he has to. And he knows that if he does not obey, he or she will be punished. Right? But then we can go back. Keep that one slide up there, if you will. Just those three. The three motives. That's the have to. The second thing I want you to see is that we can obey because we need to. An employee needs to obey the employer. Why? Because he needs the paycheck. Right? An employee obeys the employer because he needs to take home some money because his family needs some food. Are you tracking with me? But then there's the third way or the third motive of obedience, and that is he wants to. A Christian wants to obey God because he wants to show God how much he loves him. Right? Now, let me show you this same thing. Keep it on this slide right here. Let me show you this same thing. From a child to an adult, the motives stay the same. From immaturity to maturity, the motives stay the same. A child obeys the command of mom and dad because they have to. There was a day when I told my kids, you stay in the backyard. The backyard was fenced in. I do not want you in the front yard. I do not want you in the street. Stay in the backyard. Guess what? They stayed in the backyard for two reasons. Number one, it was fenced in. Number two, I said you stay in the backyard. Right? And they knew if they did not obey, they would get a spanking. I realize that's not popular in the 21st century. God forbid you ever spank a child. Hello. Let's use positive reinforcement. I won't even go there. Right? Man, I wore those tails out. Right? Uh, I mean, hey, God put some extra fat where it needed to be so that you could tear it up. Right? Now, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about I wanted them to obey because I wanted what was best for them, right? Now, when they were little, they obeyed because they had to. And they knew if they didn't, they were going to get a spanking, right? Right? Are you tracking with me? Now, they may not enjoy obeying, but they obeyed. All right? There's a lot of Christians like that. There's a lot of Christians that obey because they have to. And they're the ones that I call the parking lot prophets that sit out in the parking lot and they're murmuring and complaining and gossiping and tearing down the church and they're obeying. Bless God, it's because I have to. I call you an immature child of God. Are you with me, church? I'm trying to wrap this thing up. The motive for obeying is either I have to or I need to. Now, there comes a moment in a child's life when they realize that if they obey, they get rewarded. You see, it moves them from having to obey because I get spankings if I don't to, hey, let's obey because I found out if I obey, mom and dad rewards, right? Now, I could give you some personal stories of my kids, and I thought about personal stories of all of this as I was preparing this, but I won't do it today. But I will tell you this. You know how... <laughs> I love them both. You know I love them both. But you know how one just pushes the envelope a little more than the other? And I'm not going to tell you which one does that or which one did that. But the one that would not push it as much would warn the other, don't go there. Do this, do that. It'll be okay. You'll get reward. Don't do that. And that one would go and do it anyway. 
One figured out a lot earlier that if you obeyed, there were some rewards coming. And it took the other one a little bit longer to discover that. Right? I'm amazed. You have the same mama and the same daddy, and they get together, and they have a baby, and they come out completely opposite. How does that happen? Right? So I, won't, I, could, I, I could go. I have examples just flooding my mind right now, but, but I won't go there. So do you see the, the motives for obe- obeying? Obeying authority. Let's just leave it at that. I have to. I'll get punished if I don't. I need to because I've discovered that there are rewards. They're growing up a little bit. But the wonderful experience is when those children get to the place where they want to. I want to obey my parents because I love them. Wow. I want to obey them because I don't want to disappoint them. I want to obey them because I've seen how much they've sacrificed for me through the years. I want to give back to them today. And I want to honor them with my life. You see the progression? Church, do you see it? Just just tell me you do. You see it? That's in the life of a child. I obey because I have to. I obey because I need to. I obey because I want to. And you see the same thing in the church. People come up to me all the time and say, Hey, can I do this? Or why can't I do that? Or why do I, I'm struggling with this. Or, why, why can't I do that? Everybody else does that. They're still in the have to, need to type. More so in the have to thing. They're questioning everything in God's Word when it comes to obedience. So here's the test. Are you obeying God's commands? And if you are, what's your motive? Where are you on these three? Are you an immature child of God that's obeying simply because I have to? Or have you grown up a little bit spiritually and now you're obeying because you need to? You realize, hey, God's a good God. He, he rewards me. And then you kind of fall back and you kind, of, you kind of go back and forth right there. Or have you come to the thing spiritually as far as your motive is concerned? Have you matured to the point where you say, you know what? I'm going to obey God's word because I want to, because I love Him, because He's been such a good God to me. I love Him. I don't want to bring a reproach on His name. I don't want to bring a reproach on the name of the church. I don't want to do anything to hinder the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to obey Him because I want to. That's the test. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and I finished a little bit longer than I told you would. Let me ask you this. And this is going to be our invitation. We're not really going to have an invitation song, but this is going to be our moment. I'm going to ask them just to play. And we're not going to have one where we stand up and sing an invitation song. But I want you to do business with the Lord right here, right now. And I want you to ask yourself the question, is my faith real? And the test is, am I submitting to the authority of the Word of God? Am I obeying His commands? And if you say, yep, that's me. I'm, I'm obeying His commands. The, ne- the next question I want you to ask is, what is your spiritual maturity level? Are you obeying because you have to? Because you realize if you don't, there's some discipline coming? 
Or are you obeying God because you need to? Maybe the motive is selfish. You want the blessings of God. So you're just obeying because you need to in order to get God to bless. i got to do this. Or have you matured in your faith to where you're obeying because you want to? I want to serve Him. Whether He rewards me or not, I want to serve Him. I want to live for Him. That's my motive. I hope and pray that we all identify where we are on the spiritual spectrum. And my prayer is that we all get to the place where we obey Him because we want to. Father, I've tried my very best to expound on this passage of Scripture. I've tried to be very true to the text. But it's in black and white. It's laid out there before us. How we live our life is a direct direct reflection of the relationship that we have with you. Father, I pray today if there's one here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, my prayer is that right now, right this very moment, that they would surrender their heart and their life to you. And right now, God, that they would pray a prayer like this and just say, Dear God, forgive me. God, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. I trust you as my Savior right now. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of them. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me a new person. Teach me how to live this Christian life. As I walk by faith. That you right now, I just want you to seriously right now just thank God for saving your soul. Ask Him, God, ask Him to give you assurance of your salvation. Father, I pray right now for the one today that prayed to receive you as their Savior, that right now that your Holy Spirit would take up residence in their heart and their life as your word teaches that He will. And that you give them assurance of their salvation and their walk with you and you make them new creatures in Christ Jesus that they're able to die out to the old man, the old woman, the old boy, the old girl and walk in the newness of life. Father, I pray now for that believer that yes, they can say they've trusted you as their personal Savior but maybe they saw themselves on the spiritual spectrum as a child, an immature believer, a babe in Christ. They're reminded that it doesn't matter how long you've been on the road. It just matters how far you've traveled. And it may be a believer that's been saved for a long time, but they see themselves still immature in their obedience to you. Father, I pray you help them grow from the have-to stage to the need-to stage to the want-to stage. Father, forgive us. For when we obey you simply because we have to or we need to. Help us, God, to obey you because we want to. Father, right now, just move in this congregation and move on hearts. As folks are doing business with you right now, I pray, dear God, that you would give assurance to that one that's trusted you as their Savior. That you'd give peace and comfort and leadership and guidance to the child of God that needs to do some work on the spiritual spectrum of why they obey you. And at the end of the day, God, may you get honor and glory for everything that's said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. If you've made any decision for Christ today, I want you to take out your worship folder, your bulletin. I want you to tear off that back portion of it. 
If you've accepted Christ, your Savior today, I want you to indicate on there. If you've rededicated your life today, please indicate on there. Fold it up as you leave the building today. On your left, going out the doors, in the foyer there, there's a connection card box. Only the secretary and myself sees anything that goes in there. Write your name on there, any prayer requests you may have, any needs you may have, any classes you need to sign up for, any decision you've made today for Christ, put it on there, drop it in that box. We'll follow up with you this week. We just want to let you know we're praying for you. And guys, let's continue to live a life in obedience to the Lord and submission to the authority of God's Word because we want to. Amen? Because we want to. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.